Hello again, dear listener. This moment, the one that's happening right now, where you're listening to this on whatever device you may have, and maybe my voice is traveling up through your headphones into your brain, that moment, it's the start of the show. Welcome to Fine, a previously recorded evening of storytelling and otherwise. This episode took place on June 25th, 2018, at the Lido, which is on the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, or Vancouver, BC. You'll be hearing from some of the excellent lineup of writers and comedians we had that night, including Nima Galamapur, Joe Dvorak, Asia Moore, and Jay Simpson. And throughout the episode, you'll hear music from Psy, where you can find a band camp at Psy, Vancouver. The track we started the show with today is called Magpie. And we have a live show at the Lido on July 30th, 2018, that you should come and check out if you like. That lineup includes Jen Curran, Aaron Reed, Molly Cross Blanchard, Ivana Baranova, Andy Resto, Ronald Dario, and music by Comortal. It's going to be a nice time. For more info, go to afineshow.com or follow us on the social medias at afineshow. Alright, and I am your host, Cole Nowicki. Let's get on with it. the show as I share a bit of my own work, uh, generally a short story that I have written, and I'm going to do that tonight, uh, but I usually lead in with some sort of, not all the time, <laughs> uh, I generally lead into that story with a bit of uh, an explainer, um, a bit of a setup, but uh, I'm not going to do that because I forgot to make one. I was going to do it today, but I had a nap, and then I had another nap. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do, if you nap for 20 minutes, it's solid power nap, and if you do them twice, man, I'm running on some serious power right now. Um, so I am going to share a story tonight, but I'm just going to give you the bullet points of inspiration since I don't actually have a lead into it. Um, so what this story is about is pants, the morning of a relationship, and the morning of a relationship with a pair of pants. This is, that was a, that was a dark reaction. Oh, someone knows. Someone knows. So I'm going to start reading the story now, but I'm just going to keep talking a bit. Just to fill the, the dead air while I drink my water. This is a really attentive crowd. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, I'm actually going to start reading the story now. And it is called MWW-S9902YW. It'll make sense. I called Mark's office. No answer. I emailed Mark's work address. No response. I went to his store, but his employees knew nothing, or they said they knew nothing, which is hard to believe. I mean, this should be common information shared throughout the company. Shouldn't everyone involved in this twisted corporation at the very least be aware of the fate of the products they're selling? The man at the till claimed to not know of the pants by name. He asked for a style number. You don't recognize them? They're on my body right now. They used to be on your shelf. Look, please. See the breathable, soft, stretchy navy cotton covering my legs? These are the Denver Hayes Elastic Waist Rugby Pants. They are the best pants I've ever owned, and now I can't find them at any Mark's Work Warehouse in the Lower Mainland. <laughs> the man at the till said nothing. MWW-S9902YW, I recited from memory. There's your style number. Help me. Please. He typed it into the Mark's database. Ah, well, it looks like they're on clearance, which probably means they're getting discontinued, he said without any lamentation in his voice. Heartless. <laughs> do, you, do you know if they'll come back? 
He didn't. Is this just a seasonal thing? He couldn't say. Do you have Mark Sell? Silence. Denver Hayes is one of Mark's work warehouse's private labels, a brand that is sold exclusively at Mark's, which of course means Mark was directly responsible for the imminent death of my beloved elastic waist rugby pant. The pant's description on their marks.com webpage read like an epitaph. Features. 100% cotton. Full elastic waist with inside draw cord. Belt loops. Zipper front. Front side seam pockets. Back patch pockets with button flap closure. Machine wash and dry. Full elastic waist with inside draw cord nearly brought me to tears. This, <laughs> this pant doesn't come in number waist sizes, just small, medium, large, and XL, a universal sizing system for people all over the universe. It's draw cord are a great alternative if you don't like having a belt digging into the tender flesh of your hips. What a gracious, accommodating garment. Also on the webpage was a space for customer submitted reviews. I left my own, a plea. And this is, you can look this up, this is on there. <laughs> Review title. My single favorite pant on planet Earth. <laughs> For the past five years, this has been the only pant I would ever wear. I used to buy them in bulk. They fit great, stretch in the right places, and wearing them just makes me feel good. I can be myself in them, confident, something I haven't felt in weeks. <laughs> it may seem unhealthy to rely on a pair of pants in that way, but fuck you for judging me like that. It breaks my heart that they're getting discontinued. Please, don't do this, Mark. <laughs> After submitting my review, I scrolled down. The majority of the other comments were glowing, likely unaware that the elastic waist rugby pant were now more memory than cotton. But username, Papaduke from Bjorkdale, Saskatchewan, had a different opinion. Papaduke had given the pants a two-star review, which brought the pants' cumulative star rating down to a three and a half out of five. Review title, Poor Pants. <laughs> These pants do not fit at all. Two with one O long in the crotch, short zipper, and three inches longer than I ordered, sending them back. It was maddening. He gave the pants a bad review for what was clearly a shipping error. Oh, the pants you ordered were a size too large? That's not the fault of the pants, Papa Duke. Does PJ's One Stop, the only store in Bjorkdale, population 199, ever mess up on orders? And when they do, you don't fault PJ? Do you blame the family size barrel of Slim Jim for whatever the fuck it is assholes from Bjorkdale order? <laughs> After a few deep breaths, I posed that question in the form of another review. This one titled, Dear Papa Duke. As much as it hurt me, I could see from a business standpoint why Mark wouldn't want to keep around an underperforming product. The Denver Hayes classic khaki pants, modern fit khakis, everyday chino, and even the stretch zip-off pants had higher star ratings than the elastic, wake, well, elastic waist rugby pants. Goddamn Papa Duke. I needed to talk to Mark directly to make an appeal. And it's coming. I called, the Mar I called Mark's work warehouse's office again. This time, I would ask for the eponymous Mark himself. There was a case to be made here. If he could just hear me out, listen to a passionate human voice. The line rang and rang. As I waited, another call came through. I put Mark's on hold. She wanted to talk in person. About what? I was busy doing something very important. Could we do it over the phone? She guessed so. It was about how things ended. Okay. And did they have to end? What did that mean? Could we try again? Again. That was a confusing proposition. Over the, Of course there was still desire, the needling of hope that things might work this time, but I just spent weeks wantonly slamming piece into piece, trying to fit myself back together after the last attempt. Dead air hummed between us as I turned the idea over in my head. I don't know, I said. I have to go. The customer service representative for Mark's asked me if this was a joke. I told them no. If Mark was around, I'd love to talk to him. It was important, urgent, 
even. They sighed. Mark Bloom has been dead since 2002, and they're just pants. You'll find more. Have you tried our modern fit khakis? It's a mood shift. <laughs> the starter sewing kit from Dollarland had everything I thought I needed to learn how to sew. I was going to fix the heap of tired, battered, elastic waist rugby pants I had in my closet, a pile of at least ten. The tattered remains of a better time when demand was met with supply. Why had I kept these cotton corpses? Maybe I just felt this, com felt this moment coming. Perhaps I just couldn't let go. These for me were like ashes in an urn or a taxidermied cat that can only ever make people feel uncomfortable. A gesture of my reverence for the deceased. And I tried my hand at resurrection, doing my best to shape the ashes into human form. Instructional YouTube video after instructional YouTube video showing me how to reattach torn belt loops and patch blown crotches and asses, my fingers pricked and tender from the needle. But as I tried on each pair after I'd finished, they were all a strange fit, tight in one area, drafty in another, and my patches wouldn't stay, slowly peeling away, revealing scraped skin and hair that poked through the holes. Sitting on the bed, surrounded by the pants I couldn't wear, watching the sun cautiously move its way across the floor of my apartment, I wondered if maybe it wasn't shorts weather. Thanks for listening to that. I these, these are my last remaining pair of the elastic waist rugby pant. I feel like if we all just phone your local Marks representative, we can, get these, we can get these back in the market, and I would truly appreciate it. I am I'm using my position of power up here on the stage to the best of my ability. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to get on with the show. Up first is mighty talented improviser and sketch comedian Nima Galamapur. How's everyone doing? <laughs> Hello? Piss on the rocks. Mm. My name is Nima Golamipur, and uh, this, is what, this is what I look like on a Monday night. You should see me on a Friday night. I look wildly similar. <laughs> um... Yeah, so by those two things, by like my name and my visual appearance, if you were to like approach me and uh, ask me where I was from, I wouldn't get offended. But it depends on how you, you come across. It depends on how, how, how you're vibing, you know? If you come across and you go like, hey, where are you, where are you from? I'd be like, whoa, this is a really nice, gentle approach with a pinch of flirt. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm from Iran, but I was raised in Burnaby. What's up, Burnaby? <laughs> B-Town, what's up? Home of the mountain lion, the cougar, and the mall rats. I was a mall rat. I got kicked out of Toys R Us for jumping on the trampoline and dunking on customers. That's right. I used to work at Red Robins, and I found a dad snorting cocaine in the washroom. <laughs> Had to tell him to leave as a teen. <laughs> but if you came up to me and you were like, oh, shit, oh. Uh, if you were to come up to me and be like, hey, where are you from? <laughs> I'd be a little cautious. <laughs> I, I, I'd kind of know where you're going with this, especially if you're white. Not to throw shade on you white folks, unless you're my friend and we're on the beach and I'm trying to protect you from the sun's rays. <laughs> Not my friend! Um, <laughs> and... Let's just let's just be let's just be serious. Let's just be one hundo. You guys have a lot of a lot of heavy hitters on your team. <laughs> your team, you know, hits a lot of home runs. 
A lot of racists on your team. Best, the best players. The best, you got the best players. And us people of color have to sort of be like, oh, yeah. Back out. Let's get onto the outfield. This is a home run, and we're going to lose. Um, but once I, was, uh, once I was at a karaoke at a dingy a bar in Edmonton, as you do, I feel like a lot of people have this story, and um, people are singing songs, people are having fun, a lot of bros, a lot of bros, <laughs> and uh, I'm getting drunk, and I'm starting to see a trend here. I'm like, okay, a lot of like country songs, a lot of like white songs. <laughs> I'm like, I put my name in long time ago, long before that guy. What, what's, what's going on here? Is this DJ who's wearing a cowboy hat and one of those like tees that have a woman's body <laughs> like painted onto it? <sighs> it's just a nice detail I wanted to <laughs> tell y'all. I was like, is he, is he being selective? Is he not picking my song? And as I'm like drinking and, and thinking this, uh, he goes, <laughs> he goes, give it up for Jeff. And Jeff, that was a hot, uh, Song Journey by uh, Journey, uh, Don't Stop Believing. Up next, we got Nina. Get up here, girl. <laughs> and I got up there and I slayed Macy Gray's I Try. <laughs> Games, changes, and fears. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Um, this one time, I was on the bus. And uh, I'm Iranian, and there's a lot of there's a big Iranian community in North Van. And uh, I was on the bus, and the 240, and it goes to downtown. It goes to downtown Vancouver. And this Persian lady, this this middle middle aged uh, Iranian lady, came on the bus, and you could like I could tell like she was confused, but. I didn't help. I feel I feel guilty. I didn't help her out. I just watched this thing happen. I was like paralyzed. Uh, I feel like in a flight or fight or flight, I would I would I would not do it either. <laughs> um, she came onto the bus, and she was like confused, and she was like, um, uh, excuse, excuse me, um, ببینم in um. Um, North Vancouver, uh, Vancouver downtown, in uh, downtown, and the the bus driver was like, "Oh, like this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this bus goes to downtown. Yes, you can get on." And she was like, "No, um, downtown Vancouver. She's downtown, And he's like, "Yeah, this bus goes to downtown. Yes, you're good. You're good. Come on in." And she's like, oh, okay. This like, this like wash of relief, you know, like fell upon her, like time was in face and she got on the bus. And then the bus driver was like, oh, excuse me, ma'am. Um, excuse me. She came, she came back and he was like, you have to, you have to pay. It's uh, it's 275, it's two zone, it's the two zone, you gotta pay. He's pointing at this this machine. And she was so confused. And she was like, downtown? <laughs> and he was like, yes, but you have to pay. You have to pay money here. You have to pay. And I'm, I'm watching this. <laughs> I could help her. <laughs> and she does the funniest thing. This, this like, miscommunication can lead into to some very funny things. And she goes... <laughs> She does the funny thing. She goes, oh, downtown. <laughs> and a fucking ticket came out. <laughs> Holy shit, it was so funny. <laughs> so funny. You can't make this shit up. This happened on the bus. I mean, if you look at the thing, it looks like a, a perfect little piece of metal where your mouth can fit into and yell, yell a direction into. 
this is, this is Canada, technology might be different. You're new to this country, you wanna get to a place. You're like, whoa, this is crazy. This is like a nice little technological machine. I love Canada. Downtown, yeah. And then I felt bad because I, 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 when I got off, I had to be like, back door. <laughs> Should have walked up to the front and been like, back door. Um, when, I, when I came here um, as an immigrant, uh, I made friends with a lot of Russians. Don't know how that happened. But I do know we were sitting at uh, music class, and uh, I had shorts on, and my friend was like, uh, this, this Russian friend who's also in ESL, um, sitting next to me, and I don't know him, but he looks over and he's like, hey. and he doesn't know English as well. And he, he like makes a butt makes a butt out of the crease of his uh, his like legs folding. If you try that trick, it's like it's a butt, you know. <laughs> and we laughed and we became best friends. <laughs> and um, I was on the I was on the SkyTrain with him, and we're going. It's like late at night, and we just come from basketball. I don't know. Weird detail. Weird details. And. The doors are about to close. But right before the doors close, this like wizard of a dude gets on <laughs> and stands right in between the doorway like this. And uh, we're like, holy shit, what is gonna happen? <laughs> and the, the doors go, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> right into his face, right into his mug. They open again, and we're just like, <gasps> one more time, bong, 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 into the same spot. And we're like, oh my god, if this happens a third time, we're here forever. And that's when this guy on the back of the bus, this dude who's dressed up like he was cast, like he was cast as a businessman. Like he was going to an audition, to audition as a businessman. He's wearing the, uh, he's wearing like, uh, you know, a suit, uh, comb over, briefcase, uh, a watch that like blinds you. <laughs> Just the light reflects off his watch and blinds you. And he's beat red and he's like, he's had enough. He sits up, he goes, he goes like, hey! Some people are trying to get to work around here. <laughs> and this guy says the funniest thing in response. He goes, I am at work. <laughs> what does he do? What is his job? Is he like a, like a test dummy for like transit doors? This one's good, Ted. This one's good. <laughs> Works nicely. Check. <laughs> Anyways, that's my time. Thank you for having me. Up next is Joe Dvorak, a broadcaster, storyteller, producer, and host of the storytelling series Story Story Live. Here's Joe. And oh my God, thank you for saying my name right. Never happens. I screw it up constantly. Uh, I am Joe Dvorak. There's two things that I want you to know before I start my story. I love burgers. I don't care how messy they are. I fucking love them. It can be meat. It can be meatless. I don't. I just love burgers and I hate babies <laughs> clap if you hate babies this is a safe place they cannot find you here it's a safe place I'm just scanning to make sure my son didn't get in we're good um, I uh, I hate babies because they're the number one cause of postpartum depression <laughs> and that shit lasts like 
hypothetically 15 years, four months, 27 days. <laughs> 23 minutes. Um, uh, also, my son looks just like uh, the bouncer at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and I love him, but ew. <laughs> who the fuck wants to live with a 15-year-old boy, am I right? Like, there's only so much wrestling I can enjoy. And I obviously love wrestling. Um, so, which led me to... Um, Oh, what else was I gonna do? Oh, get my tubes, tubes tied. That was number one thing you need to know about me. I should have started, my tubes are tied. I love burgers. I hate babies. That's what I should have done. I fucked that up. Uh, number one cause, a postpartum chunky cheese. Make sure he's not here. He's not here. Uh, you guys know that I love him. I'm gonna say shit now. Um, but the story isn't really about him because like most mothers, I don't want to talk about my fucking child. Um, it is about uh, my first... Uh, date after my first divorce. Uh, went really well, guys. Um, <laughs> oh, I guess I could, because it's my first divorce. And then my second divorce, we're not going to talk about that. Um, okay, so this time I decided to give men a chance. Um, intentionally, not like a drunken bring home the bouncer from the bar, which is what happened with my first marriage, guys. Um, don't do that. Big children. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that fucks you up. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I decided to uh, use everything that I learned from this great book called The Secret. Uh, visualize it. It appears. And, and it worked. I go on Plenty of Fish and there's so many dudes that love hiking. It's like they all love hiking. All their photos, there's mountains, there's cliffs, there's adventure, you know? Like every guy there could just throw me over their shoulder and just get me the fuck away from my kid. Um, <laughs> so I'm really just very excited and I just the first one I match with, I'm like, this works. Cool. I mean, guys are simple enough. <laughs> you know? It's the nice thing about guys. No, I love men. Um, don't tell my boyfriend that. Um, but also, um, kind of simple and just easy to get along with when you're used to dating women. Because women remember everything. I know, I'm one. <laughs> can be very difficult. Uh, so I match with this guy. I decide that, um, sure, good enough. Let's meet at, uh, let's say, the pub a block from my house just for fun. You know, easy to get to. Don't have to pay a babysitter too much for walking. And uh, and so St. Augustine's right by my house, a very public place. I know most of the people in there. And uh, and then I, I get a little bit nervous preparing myself. And uh, I try on 12 outfits. <sighs> the, all the outfits I have, guys, single mom. And, uh, and then I also take extra time in the shower shave my leg above the knee and for very special occasions also shave my big toe <laughs> that's right girls get toe hair <laughs> we all have it it's okay <laughs> it's sandal season two so there's a lot of razor burn on the toe okay anyways moving on what was that okay razor burn on the toe hikers oh um and then also so the secret and also I remember to have a, a when dating this is applies for most things like job hunts anything where you're trying to uh not hate life to its fullest is to have a good sense of humor low expectations like you guys have right now, which I really appreciate. Shave my toe. Da, da, da. Okay, so I'm on my way to the date. And I realize on the way to the date, is this a block? I don't have too much time to think, but my mind goes really fast. That um, I don't know what he looks like. Because the photos are like mountain. They're not man. Um, <laughs> but he was driving a truck. And his thumb was up, so I know he's white. <laughs> uh, and also, he's like, Probably taller than 5'3", shorter than 6'7". So pretty much every guy in St. Augustine's. <laughs> and I remind myself of the dating advice that I learned from a lot of Jennifer Aniston movies. Um, which is, uh, yeah. <sighs> Don't get too drunk. It's bad. 
Uh, don't interrupt, even if you're more interesting. It's plenty of fish, let's face it. It's usually the case. And uh, number three, no burgers, which is probably why I was single in the first place. I love burgers. And um, and 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 then so I'm just thinking about that, and then all of a sudden I realize I don't know what he fucking looks like. Like, what if I run up to the wrong guy? Like, that would be really embarrassing, especially a pub close to my house. And then And then I see a guy there and he's waving really enthusiastically and I'm realizing probably him um, because I look like my photos thank you that deserved one clap from the front row you're fucking amazing um Anyway, so I see him, I'm walking towards him, I'm in this, uh, just keep walking, even though I'm terrified, and, um, and I realize a few things about him, uh, and why perhaps he didn't have better photos. Uh, he is wearing white runners, the kind of runners that people that never run wear. Yes, that's the one, those are the non-runner runners. <laughs> and then uh, blue jeans that have been on the floor for a long time. It looks like a hamster might be living in them. <laughs> and then he's wearing this bright green shirt with white letters written right across the front um, that I read twice, not just because I'm dyslexic, but also because I cannot believe that I tried on 12 outfits. I shaved my fucking big toe. And this guy's wearing a shirt that says, I'm with the MILF. I do a show called Story Story Live. People are always like, is that story true? Yes, that's fucking true. It's terrifying. But I'm also in this like Canadian gaze of um, kindness. <laughs> <laughs> so I go on the date, which is, I would not do that now because I've been divorced more than once. Um, but I do drink. And, um, and I decide to, no low expectations good sense of humor. Um, ask him about the hikes he goes on. And he tells me that the hikes he goes on are not for girls. And then, and then, worse, so much worse, he orders poutine that he doesn't fucking share! Monster! I order another beer and a burger, and the burgers that ain't sitting on, I don't work there, I'm sure the burgers here are great too, uh, but they drip out. Everything falls on the plate, and I pick it up with my fucking fingers, and I stuff it in my mouth while I'm making eye contact with him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I realize that while this guy obviously has some pros, I like hamsters, <laughs> he likes moms, <laughs> uh, that I am just not going to do it. Uh, but I am glad I got a good story. And that was the last time I shaved my big toe. And thanks so much, guys. Up next is wonderful poet, human, and lunar aquarian, Asia Moore. Her first book of poems will be out this fall from Metatron Press. Here's Asia. I can't believe that Cole just raised this microphone because both people before me took it off the stand and the idea of taking it off the stand makes me feel like the world's gonna implode. It's too complicated. Um, I'm just gonna read one piece, but it's really sad. Um, so in an effort to appease you a little, I'm gonna try to, it seems like a tall order to say that I'm gonna make you laugh. <laughs> so I'm gonna try to make you smile. And if you feel like laughing, then by all means, please do. Um, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna read one piece. It's, I know a lot of people in this room don't like babies. It's, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna read one piece about um, my family. I'm a cancer, it's cancer season, so obviously I'm gonna do that. Um, so 
I'm just going to talk a bit about my family. Um, and maybe you'll like it, even if you hate children and families. <laughs> um, so the other day I was really stoned. And what often happens when I'm really stoned is I'm like doing something. And then I, I'm thinking, and I'm like, get really caught up thinking about when people are like, yeah, I hate kids, or I don't like kids. And I'm like, fuck. Like, oh, like, have you tried thinking about them as, like, little people? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, they're just fallible people <laughs> who, like, fuck up and do weird shit like the rest of us. And, uh, and like, you know, and I have kids with me a lot, and people tend, can be really rude and whatever. And I was getting really, like, self-righteous about it, which is another thing that happens when I'm stoned. And, uh, and I was just, like, so unfair. Like, you know, like, people just, like, you know, people are ghosting people, but a child knocks over a glass of water and, like, it's the end of the world. Like, that seems messed up or whatever. And then I realized, like, how many times I've just been out in public and been like, I can't believe you brought your boyfriend here. <laughs> like, like, are you okay? <laughs> Did you lose a bed? <laughs> Oh my God, were the stakes of the bet that you agreed you would be in like a life-draining relationship for two years? <laughs> You're so cool. What's happening? So anyway, I was like, that logic is flawed. <laughs> People are allowed to just want your boyfriend to leave the room. <laughs> so instead, I just thought I would tell one small story about why I think that kids can be and aren't always uh, really wonderful. And so my brother is seven, and my sister is just turned four, and she's a Gemini. And she um, won't stop picking flowers out of people's gardens. It's like super uncomfortable because it's like really horrible and a rude thing to do and just totally disrespectful and she doesn't understand. And so I was walking with them home from school and she wouldn't stop picking flowers out of people's gardens and I was like racking my brain like how can I explain it to her that like it's not appropriate and like private property is fucked anyway but like <laughs> you know so, like I was like I was like should I tell her that the person that lives in the house like their garden is their only source of joy and <laughs> like then when she picks it like they are fucked and and she was just like me not wanting her to do it made her just be like yes I'm gonna pick everything and my brother who is a Pisces Cancer Moon I don't know if anyone cares about that but he, basically, he's like very, he feels everything. And so he was like really getting really aggravated and upset that she was picking all these flowers and trying to like back me up and blah, blah, blah. And finally, he just like went over to her and he picked her up and he just like put her somewhere else. And he's like, that's how the flower feels. <laughs> because they don't not pick you up to prove a point. <laughs> They're so smart and cool sometimes. Um, so I'm going to read one piece, and it has to do with my brother makes an appearance. Um, all you really need to know to set you up for it is that um, earlier this year, <laughs> so thirsty. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> earlier this year, <laughs> I got into what, what is, what is quote-unquote prestigious MFA program <clears throat> with some like really amazing artists, um, but they didn't want to give me enough money. And when I called them to ask for more money, they were like, redacted institution, it's kind of like the Oscars, it's nice just to be invited. 
yeah, I was fucked. I was like, um, what? <laughs> Nobody wants to go to the Oscars. <laughs> where, where have you been? <laughs> um, so, so one of the, the profs that I would have been studying with this fall is like a an poetry, I wouldn't say idol, because I think that is a weird concept, but I really like her work and I really respect her. And um, her name is Sharon Olds. If you know her, great. If you don't, do it. You got homework. Um, I'd just like to say, before I read this piece, usually like if you feel like you need to leave the room or like move or whatever you need to do, just like I won't care. I just want you to be comfortable. And I know that's like heavy duty, but it helps, I think. So. <clears throat> and then I'm going to do something funny after. I'm going to be like a sandwich of pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so it's called After I Definitely Can't Afford to Study with Sharon Olds. <clears throat> All her books arrive for me. My thing is putting a bunch of shit on hold, then paying close attention to what arrives and when. My other thing is walking to and from the downtown library every day via the Georgia Viaduct and getting a Costco hot dog for lunch. The whole perfect day costs $1.63. On Friday, after work, I take her home, I exhaust her, I deck her out with sparkling paint tool, reverent gifts. I calculate her birth time, embarrassing, and decide that a person with their son, Venus, Mercury, and Mars in Scorpio could absolutely write when he's left, I feel like a landscape. Fuck, Sharon. Thanks for this logic. What a strange and strict tradition, the equating of men with their earths. As if nature weren't literally the most giving force there is, the very condition of all life. Of course, I try to write a poem that requires honesty sort of about how when my brother runs too close to the edge of the road, my fear becomes tonally, energetically rage. But also about, I hope, the night my mom collapsed and I paced back and forth in our then apartment, drinking, hating, and then drinking again two liters of flat, warm Diet Pepsi. It was sweet and there, my brother was there too, asleep the whole time, which is probably why, in retrospect, I didn't go for a walk or something. He was so small and my favorite, and I lay holding him very still, a way too big spoon. I saw us from above, two skins. I felt that if he stirred or moved at all, I would die. In that moment, I could not afford for him to be capable of leaving me. If he had, I would have died, I swear, on my brother's body and on my unrestricted access to it. When you died, instead, I thought about how sad I got to be and how I could demand things to help me sleep and smile, and I could cut class to go to high school that wasn't mine, to sit in a science class that wasn't mine, where somebody who also wasn't mine asked me about my shirt, and I felt noticed, too young to even consider the quality of attention. I'm sorry if I'm taking too much. It's just, I know it can't have happened like this, but it happened like this. I came home and peered into her bedroom where the pamphlet just lay on the low dresser. The pros and cons of cremating your stillborn baby. And I thought, fuck you. Forever I think about my mom who got me not one but two kittens even though they made her so sick for so long. She thought her allergy would just fade away but it just got worse and worse. 
We had no choice but to drive across town crying, and they cried out too from their twin cages. My mom, who only took acid once, didn't like it, bailed on everyone to lie in the dark, felt paws on her face and neck, then remembered the box of kittens she'd rescued that morning. I get mad at her. I get so angry I start to learn new things about you in the weeks after your death. Things she had kept from me, such as you're only having one lung and being just generally quite weak and unwell, apparently. She didn't want to worry me, so I was unprepared, much less prepared than anybody else. And that unpreparedness made me, as you, Sharon, might say, an angel of hate, after which I just had to stop. Because, wow, Sharon, We'll never meet, so I can bring myself to address you this way. Eventually, there's even a new baby. And the scary amount of ways I feel about my brother, the ways I can barely handle feeling for one person, I begin to feel all over again. It's Tuesday. The sun comes out for a split second, and I'm desperate. My proteins make a wish. Sated. I shamelessly admit that I never do anything about my loneliness, least of all act on the impulse to get to know you. Sorry, I prefer living where nothing transpires between us, and I stay lodged in the tract of belief in something I won't lose. That feeling is fuel, and I must accept some illusions for it, even if I would rather have you. For years, I avoid every conversation about miscarriage. I avoid rooms in which those conversations are taking place, even if I am not implicated in them. Big, thick husks grow in my brain socket. I avoid my body, its triumphs, and its defeats. If I think of you at all, it is to wonder just how badly I wanted a proper and final grief and all the ways we feel about it. Finally, it's all I have an appetite for. My mom makes a joke about how many miscarriages she's had, and I leave the room. It's February on the eve of her 40th birthday when she falls, and when we find her, she says so quietly, I'm dying. That was the most fear I've ever felt. I drank the Diet Pepsi in my brother's body like a caught antidote. But here, near the end of the poem, I experience a need for clarity, the impulse that ruins. And I finally see this shit for what it is. Just a memory multiplying, for my brother could not have been there that small when I was still in school. And then that small again four years later. I must have been alone that night, the night of the first new loss, baby, the one for whom there is not yet a replacement. Sharon, you wrote, torn away, it seemed there was little I could not write about, and I felt my atmosphere spasm to see the inversion of my own hopes like that. In an effort to get close to you, it seems there is nothing I won't write about. Okay, so that's that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then just to kind of maybe bring the mood up, hopefully, um, for about a week and a half or two weeks, I thought I could just like scheme my way into this MFA program. So I made a Craigslist ad. <laughs> That was basically like, yo, which rich art patrons will pay for my education? They're out there. Um, and I got one, and it didn't have a lot of information about me, apart from the fact that I guess it implied that, you know, I wasn't wealthy enough to afford this education, but nothing about my like gender or my age or anything. And uh, I only got one response before Craigslist. Um, like took it down, my ad down, 
And uh, this is actually the second poem in my book. So what I just read is the first poem in my book. This is the second poem which I found, which someone sent to me. And then I was like, I'm putting it in my book. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> waste your own goddamn money instead of someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> on useless programs designed only to make the school slash instructors rich. And screw poetry. What the fuck are you going to do pissing away your time and energy on writing crappy poetry and being 70k in debt while doing it? Is your last name Shakespeare? <laughs> then forget it. You'd be better off whoa, that was terrible. You'd be better off soliciting money for breast implants than for supposedly educational scams. You can make more money with big tits than by writing stupid poetry. And I was kind of like, well, yeah, <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> Thank you. Our final performer of the evening was another fantastic poet in Jay Simpson. Anim Buju Tanse. Um, my name is Jay. Said that in my mother tongue. I'm Ojikri Anishinaabe. Um, hella queer, trans woman. I'm like a year on hormones. It's cancer season. No one sucked on my titties. It's not 2018. I hate you all. Um, <clears throat> I'm really thirsting this cancer season, um, and I hate it because I'm better than myself. So, um, there's recently um, a few publishers have like come to me and been like, "We want to publish publish you. Can you do us like a happy native poem?" And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, I can, like I can, but I don't want to because until all of us get there, I really don't want to tell that story. Um, but I did it anyways because they paid me money. <laughs> and, you know. But it's also cancer season, so I have some breakup poems. Fuck all my exes. Um, they now have a famous ex. <laughs> Do you see me now? Look at what it took swallowing a live matchstick to catch myself ablaze. Do you see me now? After I brought myself down, lowered this burning wreckage into the saltwater smoke and steam hissing. This has always been a show for you. Look at what I can do and watch this is all for you. The show must have gotten old and the plot too predictable. Me flaying myself alive for you and you politely clapping like it was some fucking opera. The show must have grown stale for the show popping up a mile down, spirited you away from my sacrifices, someone new to dote on your every whim. It wasn't until I set myself ablaze, drove myself to the shorelines, let the ocean consume the charcoal wreckage that you turned me to, you reached down, grabbed my runes, and tearfully asked, why did you do this to yourself? Do you see me now? Well, of course you do. And then I'm going to do another breakup poem because I'm bitter and petty like that. So um, it's, it's like cancer season, but also like I'm hella Scorpio. Um, like really, I've got five, five, like I'm like five Scorpio, um, which means don't fuck with me is what I'm trying to say. Um, and like the vixen, I'm just here to fight. So if any of you actually want to go in the parking lot later, I do want to fight. Um, and I'll, you think I'm, I'm not joking. Um, and this poem is about a friend who I broke up with recently because I discovered friend breakups and I broke up with a lot of people. <laughs> no, I, I, I went from like 25 friends to four and I'm living for it. Um, I hope this sacrifice led you to believe again. The blood pooling at your feet will water your gardens for years. This hollowed cast was enough. 
I have been so many favorites ghost, knowing how to wail and cry whilst gliding through these red velour hallways. I have always known how to keel and squirm in perfect sync. This is what has filled the seats in the first place. I hope my sacrifice kept the gods above appeased so you get to go on and love each other. This was always meant to be my tragedy and I was always meant to play this part, tight cast to perfection, my final bow crowned with the blood I would never bleed. You were always meant to make it to the next chapter, the sequel, the follow-up, and I was destined to drive the plot. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, it hurts. You were to always get the spoils of my sacrifice. You got to benefit from the price I paid. This wasn't always about you, but about this burning heavenly heart I had to cut out as I turn putrid in the unrelenting sun which beats upon my downturned brows. You finally think of laying me to rest, please. Put jasper in my left hand and fluorite in my right. Fill my chest with wild strawberry and rose seeds. Cover my eyes with Indian paintbrush petals. Lay Seneca root at my feet. Let me face the east and do not let me burn for too long. Let that be the final curtain call. Let there be no standing ovation for me in the second act. Let this be the way I go. Cheeky cheeky, not with a bang, but with a whimper. For this sacrifice was not for vain, nor was it for you, for hearts often do belong in boxes now. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. This fucking hurts. Now that was my breakout poems. You're welcome. Um, so it's, it's, uh, stop clapping. Um, it's still Indigenous Peoples Month. It's also Knife Month and Pride Month, so that just means I get to carry knives around and be super gay and indigenous. But also, there's this conversation about reconciliation. Uh, fuck that noise, reparations. So um, those who are white, I, I really implore you, even if you have $5, go donate it to an indigenous artist. Go donate it to a person of color artist, especially if they're intersectional. It's extremely hard for intersectional artists to get out there and make money. It uh, takes a lot more work to get out there and to be recognized. So uh, just remember, reparations over reconciliation, put your money where your mouth is. This is the end of the show. Thanks again to all the storytellers, Cy, Delito for having us, Matt Crisco for recording us, No Fun Radio for playing us, and you, dear listener, for listening. We'll leave you with Cy's Hatch. <laughs>